This episode of Own the Gray is brought to you by I Am. Discover your unique talents, realize your potential, and align to your path. Take the first step to uncover your life purpose by visiting deborahjones.ca slash courses. Pain, fatigue, insomnia, depression, anxiety, and even digestive issues are common symptoms of inflammation. Persistent or chronic inflammation progresses silently and is a major contributor to several diseases such as cardiovascular disease and stroke, cancer, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, COPD, Alzheimer's disease, allergic asthma, and more. Well, the good news is that awareness and education just might save your life, so you'll want to listen to this episode. Welcome to Own the Gray, a podcast to dispel the notion that aging is undesirable and setting new positive attitudes. I'm Deborah Jones, and I believe you can be vibrant and healthy throughout the best years of your life. You may have listened to my next guest when he joined us in episode 5 about exercise or episode 11 about sleep. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, a personal trainer with over 20 years experience in helping people get and stay healthy. Today, he's here to educate us on ways to reduce or even eliminate inflammation in our body. Welcome back, Jody Boynton. Epra, so great to be back. Lovely to see you as always. So today we're going to be talking about uh, a subject that I think has a lot of mystery about it. But I think after today, we might see that it isn't actually that mysterious. It's about what happens inside our body. And I notice sometimes after I've eaten certain foods, or sometimes I don't even make that connection, I notice that my body starts to bloat, it starts to feel full and uncomfortable. And I did a little bit of research on what that might be, and I linked it to something called inflammation. And when I chatted with you about inflammation, I realized that this is a really important subject. And it, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't actually know or understand about it. And I think that uh, our talk about it today might shed some light on that. How do we know if we have inflammation? If you sneeze, if you have allergies, that's inflammation. If you bump your head and get a goose egg, that's inflammation. Um, can be linked to things like cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, or diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. All those are inflammation in the body, but it's just our bodies reacting to something it's being exposed to in an attempt to keep us safe or protect us from something. Um, but it's reacting in a way that's impacting us negatively. And so are there certain things that can cause inflammation? Well, the the most obvious thing is if you're exposed to pollen and you sneeze, that's that's our body's trying to get rid of a toxin or what it perceives as a threat that we've been exposed to. So we sneeze. That's our body's way of trying to expel it. 
if you're looking at something a little more less obvious, um, something like IBS, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, could be just because we're chronically eating a food that we're exposed to and it's, you know, it's upsetting our, our gastrointestinal tract, um, causing that bloating and swelling and pain. Rheumatoid arthritis, it could be just from a chronic exposure of something that our body's reacting to as an immune response that's affecting our tissues. So our body reacts to something that it comes in contact with, whether it's something we eat or whether it's in our environment. All sorts of things can affect it. Like uh, obvious ones would be like smoking, alcohol, um, or too much alcohol, a little bit so, right? Um, but things like obesity, it just it promotes an inflammatory state in our body. Chronic stress, high cortisol all the time puts us in a, our body in a hyper alert state. So it's re- over ready to react to something. So it's, it's, I don't want to say it's hyper allergic, but it's over vigilant. So it will overreact to something when we're exposed to it. Um, things like uh, high insulin or chronic high sugar in our body is also very pro-inflammatory. And there's many different kinds of inflammatory markers. There's all sorts of chemicals based on what's going on, like cytokines or, um, our white blood cells and, and just a whole complex system. And it might not be everything that's turned on at the same time, but it might be one or a few other things. Let's clarify that. <laughs> our body has a myriad of inflammatory responses it can do in order to keep us safe. So depending on what we're exposed to, it will trigger a certain response within our, within our cells. If it's a short-term thing, like a allergen, a sneeze, then it kind of clears that up. But if it's something that's chronic, like a chronic high sugar or um, if, it's, if it's a chronic exposure, it's just like a low-level inflammatory background in our body. So, and it should kind of come on and go off again. It should come back to normal. It's like having your foot on the gas all the time, even though you're neutral. It doesn't really need to be on. But because we're chronically exposed to it, our body is always in that pro-inflammatory state. So when we talked on another episode about fight or flight um, and, and how we can turn that on and it can stay on and, and deplete us. Uh, it's the same thing with inflammation. So if, if the body is continuously inflamed, um, it's not in balance and it's not calm and that's going to affect our life in lots of different ways. Wouldn't you say? Our body has a way, has an opportunity to react to something in a pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory way. So our cells aren't geared only into the pro-inflammatory. It, depending on the environment that it's in, it can actually reduce inflammation. Because it, if you have a fever, if you get a virus or something, our body's going to be in an inflamed state. But once that, once the threat reduces, our body's going to bring things back into balance. But if you're, um, if you're insulin insensitive and you're chronically eating a higher sugar, higher carbohydrate diet, the body never really gets that chance to come back into balance because it's always reducing that inf- inflammation. Hmm. So you talked about a pro-inflammatory diet, meaning the things that cause inflammation. What kinds of things would we be eating that might cause inflammation? Uh, high sugar is, it produces that high insulin spike and it always causes kind of inflammation um, as our body reacts with that, because high sugar in our blood system is not where the body wants to be. It wants to be kind of a lower or neutral. So it sees this as a threat. So that's always a high inflammatory situation. Um, omega-6 fats, like the fats found in olive oil, 
feedlot meat, so high red meat with lots of fat in it, uh, things like canola oil, safflower oil, cotton oil. All those are a type of saturated fat that is inflammatory, but they're also a type of fat that our body uses as building blocks to make our cells. So this is a big one. Um, so our cells can be made with omega-6 and omega-3s, but if it doesn't have enough omega-3s, which are our lower saturated fat, our body will use the omega-6 to give us some structure and build the cells. But those omega-6s are geared more towards inflammation. So it's like building a machine that's going to overreact. Wow. So you talked about omega-3 fats. What fats are omega-3? Um, fish oils are the most obvious choices. Um, there's some in, some in plant foods, um, some in hemp seeds, that kind of stuff. But fish oils are the, the main easy-to-get-to sources. Actually, even grass-fed meats and animals, grass-fed eggs, grass-fed meat, um, grass-fed chickens, they tend to be higher in omega-3 as opposed to um, conventional meat. So, so you're saying that our cells are made up of omega-3 and omega-6, but omega-3 is healthier for us, and omega-6 comes in if we haven't had enough omega-3s. Is that correct? Yeah, omega-3s omega, omega are less saturated. So let's think of them as being more, more fluid, more, more able to chemically react. Whereas an omega-6 is a little stiffer, let's call it, or a little more structured and not as able to react. Um, cell biology gets complicated. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it somewhat, somewhat simple. Um, so let's talk about trans fats. And, and I wonder, what, what are trans fats? Trans fats, hopefully they're mostly out of our food system by now. We, we kind of used them a lot 10 years ago or more. It was... 20 years ago, it was in margarines and, and uh, fake food stuff because it gave it longer shelf life. If you, if you change the structure of the fat and saturate all the bonds, then it can't oxidize and can't go off. So the shelf life was way longer. Um, unfortunately, our body didn't really react with that well to it. It doesn't really know what to do with it. So it would be a source of inflammation because our body would perceive it as a toxin, right? Mm. It wouldn't. It wouldn't know how to deal with it, so it would have an inflammatory response. Hmm. Other than limiting our sugar intake, well, let's talk about the sugar for a minute because there's some hidden sugars, aren't there? Sugars. Well, we say sugar, but it doesn't necessarily just mean white table sugar. Sugar, in this aspect, refers to food that your body will break down and digest easily and turn it into glucose which is a necessary source of energy and we use very well. But if we have too much of it, our body has to put out that insulin again, which um, is a longer acting hormone. So uh, things like not just white sugar, any sugar, um, but if you look at things like white bread, our body breaks that down easily, sugar. Uh, white potato, same thing. Our body can turn that into sugar like nothing. So... Foods that are very refined tend to be digested a lot easier because they don't have the natural fats. They don't have the natural fibers. They don't have anything, the proteins, they don't have anything to slow down that rate of absorption. So we get a much higher insulin response. 
So the slower the rate of absorption, the better it is for our body. And the quicker the rate of absorption turns it into sugar. Yeah. Well, if you think of, think of eating like a piece of sweet potato or eating a marshmallow, right? The same volume. Your body's going to, because the sweet potato still has all the fiber and all the minerals and everything to it. It's going to take a lot longer for your body to kind of break that down. So it's going to go into your bloodstream a lot shorter. If you have something like a marshmallow or a gummy bear, um, even if it's equal weight and equal amount of carbs in each, that processed sugar is going to, it's got nothing to hold together. As soon as it gets into the, your stomach, our body just like, we can absorb that. We can start absorbing sugar through our mouth, even before it gets into our digestive system. Hmm. We have, wow. we have enzymes in our mouth that start the process even before it gets down to the stomach. So let's just talk about that sugar a little bit more because there's something that I've heard about of, of a sugar rush. So for instance, if we eat a, a chocolate bar, we feel that we've got a lot of energy and then mm. you know, an hour or two down the road, then we've got a lot less than we started with. Is, is that a thing? It is a real thing. I mean, if we, all that sugar in our system, like I said, gets an insulin response. So insulin's kind of like a, a gatekeeper to the cell. So it's trying to open all the cells and get that in there. So if we have something like a simple sugar, which has nothing to slow down its rate of absorption or digestion, that sugar is gone and absorbed. If our pancreas is working efficiently, that's absorbed in no time. But in that meantime, we have like all this energy and all this rush because it's like a it's, a, it's a go time. But then insulin lasts is a long lacting hormone. So that sugar could be long gone and into our cells or used up. And that insulin is still sky high. So then our body perceives it's low blood sugar. And that's when we get the crash or the craving or the rebound or whatever you would like to call it. So really, when we are not consciously eating, when we are just, you know, filling our, our, our stomach because we, we have a pang of hunger, or, you know, we've, we, we walk past the, the candy jar and, and just, you know, it, it looks really enticing. So we, we grab a bite and we don't even think about it. We're actually um, deciding our body's health by what we put in our body. That has always been the case, right? So if you're, if you're eating more whole foods, more natural, um, cooking at home, not eating anything out of a package or a box, regardless of your choices, you're way better off. If it still looks like the original food before you cook it or deal with it, it's, it's a good food choice, essentially in my book. If you're opening a package, if you're, opening a takeout thing. If you're popping the lid off something, that's a processed food. So chances are your sugar exposure is going to be a lot higher. If we do change our way of eating and we do lessen the sugar, lessen the processed grain foods that turn into sugar um, and lower our fat and I assume salt intake, um, salt we didn't talk about, but I would think that that can contribute to the imbalance as well. If we do change that, are we likely to see changes right away? 
Um, so for noticing a difference in inflammation, it's going to depend on where that is occurring in your body. If you look at something like your stomach, your gastrointestinal tract, and you tend to be bloated and stuff after you eat, say, a specific grain or dairy or something, um, the cells in the lining of your gut usually turn over about every three days. So within a week of cleaner eating, you should notice an effect. If it's something like uh, rheumatoid arthritis or cardiovascular disease, those things are much longer to reverse. Like we don't have the blood flow that we have in our gut, in our joints. So it takes a lot longer to get anything turning over or for a body to deal with those uh, allergens that we're exposed to. So for example, when we're born, um, we don't have a lot of um, arachidonic acid or it's, it's, it's like an omega-6 in our joints. But as we get older, it steadily increases. So it's not necessarily a natural state for a body to have that in there. It's just because of our dietary exposure and that's how it ends up in there. So it's no wonder that so many people have aches and pains and cramps as we get older because we're, we're changing our biology, not for the better. So, so our current North American diet um, isn't something... Uh, I mean, if we think about how our our ancestors, well, when we were cavemen, here we go again with that story, uh, but, but how they used to eat, they, they couldn't go to the grocery store and get a package or something. Uh, and so what you're saying is our body is adapted to our our modern way of uh, of what's available for us to our, eat. Yeah, our, the, the standard North American diet kind of sets us up for failure in reality. Now, I'm not saying everybody, hopefully most people are making better choices than this, but they, the studies are showing that 60% of the calories in the North American diet come from either flour, sugar, or um, those omega-6 fats or refined seed oils. Um, add another 10% in dairy and 20% meat. That leaves only 10% for fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains, legumes, healthier choices. So we're, we're 90% inflammatory and only 10% anti-inflammatory in a North American diet. Whoa. <laughs> and I've heard about the Mediterranean diet being a better diet. Do you have an opinion on that? Mediterranean diet is great. It, it promotes more, more healthier fats, uh, more fish, definitely more vegetables. Um, it's got a lot of anti-inflammatory stuff in there. And if you do the, a more ketogenic or reduced carb Mediterranean diet, your inflammation markers go way, way, way down. There was a, a, a TV program that I watched, and I think it was in Italy. There was a town that had some very old people like in over over the hundred mark and and um you know i i watched there was there was a man who who would go for a walk every day so he got his exercise every day but he would also stop off at the local uh watering hole and have a glass of wine every day as well and then i thought well you know if he can live to over a hundred and have such a quality of life that that's something i want there's there's blue zones um all over the world and in, in different cultures and stuff. And it's not, it's not just a genetic thing. It's, it's how they live. They eat and grow their own food. Um, so it, like the guy in Italy, he's probably got a great back garden and he eats a lot of his own food. They do have red wine in there generally. Um, 
because that's relaxing and reduces cortisol and that has that positive benefits and the reserve which is the high antioxidant in grapes. Um, but basically it's just a natural food diet. They work for, they work for the food. If they're growing their own food or garden, they're active. Um, they're social sharing food is a big thing and it's all homemade food. It's not, nothing comes out of a package. Uh, they tend to focus on more fish, lean meats, things like that. We should, we should take that as an, an example of you can have a really good life. It doesn't have to be restrictive. So when we talk about our North American diet and, and what we're used to eating, and, and then we talk about having, having to, not having to, choosing to change what we put in our body, it can actually be a lot of fun uh, discovering new things that we can create in the kitchen, for instance. Exactly. It's, it's, it's trying to, trying to find that sense of play because you, you have the opportunity to now to start making better choices and try to find what works for you, what doesn't. And then when you have your treats or your cheesecake or your, whatever is your penultimate uh, treat, then it becomes special. But if you have it every day, it just becomes the thing, you know, you can't eat potato chips every day and feel amazing and still look forward to them the next day the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So if there is uh, one thing that you would like our listener to take away today from, from our conversation, what, what are the main, what is the main message? Um, Inflammation is is, uh, a sign that your body's not reacting to something that you're exposing it to or putting into it. Um, so if you're smoking, drinking too much, too much sugar, um, exposed to toxins and allergens, all these things upset our level of, um, reactivity and allergenicity. So if you have a totally clean diet, but you live in a toxic environment, you're probably still going to have some inflammatory things pop up. If you live in a totally clean environment, but you're still eating lots of sugar and high fat and, um, smoking, you're going to have some inflammatory conditions. So it's just, it's just trying to do everything that we can to reduce what we overreact to. So maybe your only problem is you're allergic to lectins and grain and you never knew it. And that's why your, your stomach always hurts after you eat certain bread products or, or even if it's the best of bread, if you're reactive to that, then it's going to cause inflammation. So if you can narrow down what you're, what you're, what you're sensitive to as a person, you, individually, um, then you can start really feeling better because the more you reduce your allergenic load, the more we reduce our inflammation on top of just making good health food choices. Those little things, those little tweaks in our individual diet can make a huge difference. Nice. And I think keeping a, a record of what you eat and how you feel might be a way to discover the things that you're uh, sensitive to. That's an awesome exercise on so many levels. If you've never recorded a food diary, it really gives you insight onto what you're eating, what you're overusing, um, what you gravitate towards. Now, if you throw in something like uh, moods, sleep patterns, and keep that as a journal for when I see my clients for the first time, I make them do it for five days. So, and sometimes that's long enough, but if you're really trying to solve a problem, do it over a longer period of time and then go back over it and really start to analyze what's working for you and what isn't. Excellent advice. 
Thanks ever so much for sharing your wisdom again with us, Jody. Always happy to see you and, and I love doing it. So I hope to see you again. I'm sure we'll find some other topics that we can talk about. Excellent. Look forward to it. Go to ownthegray.ca to follow us and listen to more great episodes. Or you can listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and more. This episode brought to you by Lunch with a Healer podcast. The best conversations happen when you're having lunch with a friend, especially when one is a healer. Pull up a chair at lunchwithahealer.com.